Welcome to Confessions, Convictions, and Conversations, a podcast exploring the cool Christian girl's guide to living in America. I'm your girl, April Davenport. I'll reveal to you a little personal testimony while merging ministry, education, and real life. We will also discuss current events with relevant figures of our time. It is the perfect blend of headline news, black girl magic, and of course, Jesus juice. Come with me on a journey you won't soon forget. So stay tuned, don't change the channel, and let's take a ride. to Confessions, Convictions, and Conversations. I'm your host, April Shanine Davenport. I'm so excited that you are with me for episode four of Confessions, Convictions, and Conversations. And hopefully this is not your first time with me, but if it is, make sure that you go back and check episodes one, two, and three, because it was great information, great conversation. And of course, I want to make sure that you are caught up, but don't worry, you can still tune in with me today day for confession what was the american revolution and was the american revolution our biggest mistake if you don't know much about me i'm april davenport right here from decatur georgia and i want to make sure that you are always connected with me on social media so make sure to connect with me on instagram and on facebook and on twitter because of course i want to be connected with you and i want you to be a part of april's army So, of course, we have lots to talk about. There's so much going on in our world today. And of course, we wanna make sure that we are a part of the conversation. So, one of the things that you'll learn about me is that I love Broadway. The theater is such a place of renewal for me. And while I love seeing plays and musicals in pretty much any form, there is nothing like going to the Big Apple of New York City and being on Broadway, where the magic really happens. I make it a point to travel to Broadway at least once a year, of course, for shopping. And no matter what I'm viewing, I'm totally captivated by the stage. Of course, you don't even have to ask me. Yes, the color purple on stage is my absolute favorite. I talked about that in episode one. And each time it has made its way to Broadway, I've been there to see it live and in person. But we tackled the color purple in episode one, so I'll leave that be. And if you missed it, remember, go back and check it out. Today, we're discussing America in all of its glory and gory. Which brings me to another piece of great American theater, Hamilton. If you don't know about Hamilton by now, then surely you live in a non-digital household. I mean, you must not have a television, a computer, no internet. When Hamilton first made its debut in Broadway in 2015, no one knew that it would become a cultural and historical phenomenon. As it is described, it is the story of America then told by America now. While the story carries the name of founding father Alexander Hamilton, there is so much history relayed in the play. But of course, in an entertaining way, because you know it is full of hip hop. 
I tried everything within me to secure tickets year after year to see this play in person, but I always came up short, much to my dismay. And there was just something within me that would not allow me to pay $1,000 per ticket, even though I really wanted to do so. So like the rest of the world, I was super excited when Disney decided to release the musical via Disney Plus to appease the masses, of course. Although it was an economic move for Disney, this meant that I could see the long-awaited greatness for just $7. Hey, that works for me. Aside from the musical totally living up to the hype and giving me movie lines for days, it really forced me to think about the state of our country. There were so many pivotal moments in Hamilton that are actually still pivotal today. And honestly, while it has been 244 years since America gained its independence, I must confess, I'm beginning to think, was the American Revolution our biggest mistake? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These crucial words from the Declaration of Independence, penned in 1776 by Thomas Jefferson and co-signed by our forefathers, have been the foundation of American history. They are fully ingrained in the minds and hearts of many Americans and non-Americans. The principles held in this one sentence set forth a mantra for others to follow long after the forefathers would be here to ensure that they would be enforced. When departing from England's rule, they sought equality for all men, or did they? In 1776, slavery had already been instituted into the American fabric, so it was almost impossible that the forefathers thought that all men were created equal when the horrific practice of slavery had already created a huge divide in this country. So what did equal really mean to Thomas Jefferson? Equality is a reoccurring theme in the United States. The people in this country, whether native or immigrant, are in a fight for freedom on many accounts, race, gender, socioeconomic status, and other fronts. America, despite its almost 250-year history, is continually in a fight to define what it considers to be justice. When America declared its independence, it successfully removed itself from England's control, but it did not successfully identify itself as a country. And even in freedom, there is identity. When Jefferson mentioned in Ellen Bill rights, he did not list any tangible rights. And the ambiguous words of life, liberty, and happiness can be altered by the person who was defining them at the moment. For the slave owner, they are living life by being free. And they may feel as if they are giving life by allowing their slave to work. The equality present in the Declaration of Independence is actually not present at all. Jefferson also mentions that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. If America was releasing itself from British rule, then everyone in America at the time should have been considered as the governed. However, this was definitely not the case. 
The just powers only apply to persons in the room and their similar beings, which we know were just white men. These unalienable rights do not apply to women, to persons of color, or anyone outside of the general makeup of our forefathers. In fact, it would be over 100 years before women would gain access to the right to vote and before many would even gain access to work. And that would be only because America would enter into war. Therefore, when Jefferson penned the word equal, he only considered persons equal to himself. 244 years later, and we're still having discussions and wars on equality in a country that was founded upon the principle of freedom and the thought that all men are created equal? What exactly was the goal of the American Revolution? To simply revolt against England or to create a fair and just land? What would be the state of the country had we stayed under English rule? The irony of Hamilton is that the king is continually a mocking, mocking America, wondering what will happen to America as he watches the country from afar trying to survive. He sings, what comes next? You've been freed. Do you know how hard it is to lead? You're on your own. Awesome. Wow. Do you have a clue what happens now? Oceans rise, empires fall. It's much harder when it's all your call, all alone across the sea. When your people say they hate you, don't come crawling back to me. While the words were penned by the writer Lin-Manuel Miranda, the creator of Hamilton, it's almost as if it's a time capsule because I don't believe that the fathers, forefathers knew how hard it would be to run a country, how hard it is to actually lead. But unlike one of the King's other songs, we didn't go back to England. Do you really think that America has a race problem or is it a class problem? Because a lot of times when I examine what's happening in America, I don't think that it boils down just to race. I think a lot of times it's about class, it's about economic status, and it's about money. What do you think is our main problem today? In addition to the Declaration of Independence, a document that hangs like a cloud over America, we are governed by a document that is also over 200 years old. Of course, there are amendments, and yes, we have the Supreme Court to oversee the U.S. Constitution, but has this Bible of America really provided proper instruction for our country? The preamble of the Constitution reads, we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. I'll admit, it's beautiful prose. After I obtained my master's in English from the University of Notre Dame, I was torn between going to grad school to get my PhD or going to law school to get my JD. I ended up doing the former, but I love law. However, there are times when I have to question whether the law loves us. As I told you in a previous episode, I'm not that girl who takes offense at every single thing or pulls the race card every time something goes wrong. That's definitely not me. Yet and still, 
I would have to live in complete oblivion if I believe that we the people really meant we the people. If the Constitution really meant we, there would have been no need for a 13th, 14th, or 15th Amendment because slavery would have ended long before then and equality would have been a given. And we wouldn't have to keep reminding law enforcement, judges, politicians, or everyday citizens that the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments actually exist. Who did the we include? The white men in the room and those they wanted to include? It didn't include women because there's a 19th Amendment. These two very important documents, and yet they seem to cause more confusion than clarity. If the US Constitution is a document representing freedom, why is it constantly up for debate? The definition of revolution is a sudden, radical, or complete change. We know that the First Amendment guarantees freedom of expression and religion. But what else was sudden, radical, or completely different about America after the revolution? What is radical and completely different from the America of 1776 and the America of 2020? Sure, technology has infiltrated our society, but the two parties that were created back then are the same two parties that keep our nation divided. The fight for power is the same fight that prevents our country from truly being a nation for the people, by the people. What is radically and completely different? Have you given up on a better America? As we know, there are three branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial, all equally important. One of my favorite things about the establishment of these branches is the balance of power. Our government is established so that every branch can check the other branch, and so that no branch becomes too powerful. In theory, this allows the people to have the power. The people. We, the people. We are the people. Whether we are intended to be the people or not. Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, Alexander Hamilton, and the other great founding fathers may not have intended for there to be a multicultural we in we the people. But the fact remains, the we is a lot more diversified than it was in 1776. The only way America is going to be suddenly, radically, and completely different is for the people to take back the power that it should have possessed all along. According to Jefferson, freedom isn't something that we have to wait to be handed to us. We were born with it. We the people need to walk in the freedom that we have whether America gives it to us or not. When Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. approached the podium in Washington, D.C. to give his famous I Have a Dream speech, he poignantly captured and redefined what he believed Thomas Jefferson meant for America's future, even if it did not define his past. In a sense, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to foul heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
Although Jefferson's words had not previously applied to all Americans, King came to redefine equal and remind the persons present in America's power room that it was now time for Jefferson's word to hold new meaning. Equal now had to expand to include women and persons of color. Equal had to be an arm of justice that was operated by the government of the people as mentioned in the Declaration of Independence and that was now being reiterated in a speech that holds just as much weight. We have also come to this hollow spot to remind America of the fierce urgency of now. This is no time to engage in the luxury of cooling off or to take the tranquilizing drug of gradualism. Now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. Now is the time to make justice of reality for all of God's children. Those were Dr. King's words. And just as Thomas Jefferson and the other founding fathers sought to absolve their relationship with England immediately, when Dr. King gave his famous speech, he thought America needed to make a change with haste and without delay. America still has a balance and the people need to make sure that it gets paid in full because like Angelica sings in Hamilton, until it happens, we the people will never be satisfied. What can you do to ensure that you and others are guaranteed your unalienable rights? The American dream, the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is elusive to most, something of a fairy tale. Ta-Nehisi Coates has this to say about the American dream in his book, Between the World and Me. The dream seemed to be the pinnacle then, to grow rich and live in one of those disconnected houses out in the country, in one of those small communities, one of those cul-de-sacs with this gently curving ways where they staged teen movies and children built tree houses. The dream seemed to be the end of the world for me, the height of American ambition. What more could possibly exist beyond the dispatches, beyond the suburbs? He also goes on to explain that his true freedom came when he rejected the dream. In her critically acclaimed work, Behold the Dreamers, Mbolo Mbube writes the story of dreamers working, learning, and living in America until America rips their dream from them and they are deported back to their homeland. Upon their departure, these words are written. They would lose the opportunity to grow up in a magnificent land of uninhibited dreamers. They would lose the chance to be awed and inspired by amazing things happening in the country, incredible inventions and accomplishments by men and women who look like them. They would be deprived of freedoms, rights, and privileges that Cameroon could not give its children. They would lose unquantifiable benefits by leaving New York City. Imagine a world where everyone believes that the American dream is still within arm's reach for everyone to attain. Is that fantasy or reality? What's your American dream? Thanks so much for tuning in to me for this episode for Confession. Was the American Revolution our biggest mistake? I appreciate you so much for watching, for listening, 
for being a part of my army. Make sure you stay tuned to me. Make sure that you're subscribed to me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. And make sure that you're connected to me because I want to learn just as much about you as you're learning about me. And make sure that you stay tuned with me for next week's episode, same day, same time. And before you leave with me, allow me to pray for you. God, make sure that you continue to protect the people in my army. I don't know what's coming their way, but you sure do. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for tuning in to Confessions, Convictions, and Conversations. We are just getting started. So make sure to connect with me on social at AS Davenport and at Fresh Start Fridays. For more information on the podcast, please visit www.asdministries.org. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and be a part of April's Army. Remember... Anytime is a good time to confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, live by your own personal convictions, and it's always a great time to have a good conversation. I'm your girl, April Davenport. See you next time.